This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Everybody, welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew, but spooky. Craig, but haunted. <laughs> it's another Spooktober. It's like our fifth or sixth one. I didn't count. I'm not going to go count. It's Well, it's probably like the 70th Spooktober. We just weren't always celebrating it. Right. Think about well, that. Sure. <laughs> Because, like, a cat died or something <laughs> 70 years ago, and that's the ghost that causes Spooktober. So if you're joining us for this Spooktober, and this is your first one, Spooktober is a, a yearly month of spooky delights. We've got spills, chills, thrills, and silent hills up in here. Every week in October, we're going to read a book that's spooky for some Reasons. reason. <laughs> yeah. It's not always, like ghosts but nope. usually there's some kind of like spooky or supernatural element yeah and to so the this week andrew read one that's been on our list for a little while by mm-hmm. some hack named stephen king he, mm-hmm. you read carrie carrie uh have you seen the film i have I've not seen neither film so there's a 1976 feature film which is the big one i think with um sissy spacek and john travolta and other people in it Yep. Um, then there's a an 88 Broadway musical, a 2012 off-Broadway revival of that musical, a 1999 feature film sequel called The Rage, Carrie 2, mm-hmm. <laughs> that does not have Carrie in it. Oh. Um it it yeah it has a uh, it has a half sister of Carrie's because okay. her dad in the universe of this book went and had a bunch of affairs. Huh, okay. I just had a bunch of telekinetic children all over the place. Uh, and then there was a TV movie in 2002. Uh-huh. And there was a 2013 feature film. It was with like a, a remake. Chloe, yeah, yeah, Chloe Grace Moretz in it. Yes. Um, and then a apparently a an episode of the show Riverdale. Yes, I, I know that about this. It's a musical version of Carrie, I guess. Yes. Do you, you know about this? What, I, tell well, me more about this no, episode just, of Riverdale. I know that it existed. I know that the the mean redhead plays Carrie. I don't think any of the four main Archie characters are. Like, I don't know who they are okay. in that musical. I do know a little bit about the 1988 Broadway musical, which is one of the all-time flops in Broadway history. Nice. Uh, it, did, it ran... a like a tryout in london for four weeks before transitioning right to broadway and uh <laughs> plenty of on, time to fix all the issues and in the curtain call after the first performance there was plenty of booing mixed in with the cheers oh no uh it only ran for 16 previews and five performances before closing and it cost seven million dollars <laughs> 
I've got to imagine that that is whatever the contractually obligated like minimum number of performances <laughs> know is, that there it's is. probably pretty close to that. Because depending on what day of the week they opened, they might not have even made it out of their first performance week. <laughs> oh, boy. It's <laughs> really bad. Yeah. Ooh. Um, so That's yeah. spooky. That's pretty spooky. That is pretty spooky. It's like this, this dead musical. Yes. Um, we've talked about Stephen King before. We've covered The Stand. We've covered It and Bag of Bones. Um, we've talked about his critiques of critics of genre writing. We've talked about his aspirations to literary greatness. Um, his humble beginnings as like a school teacher trying to get work published. And that's kind of where this book comes from. Yeah. So this is his is the fourth novel that he wrote, but the first one that was actually published. Yes. And um, he got, I think for the, for the original hardback, he got like a $2,500 advance and um, he bought like a car with it. He bought so a Ford Pinto a with Ford it. Ford Pinto. Um, and then the paperback, which came out around a year later, he got a much, much bigger chunk of money that he split with his uh, his publisher, I think. Yeah, I think Doubleday got agent it. or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was like $400,000. Yep, and then it in, sold like a million copies. Yeah, yeah, that's like 1974, 75 money too, so that, yeah. that's like a lot. Um, yeah, the hardback was, it sold 13,000 copies, which doesn't sound like very many and probably isn't very many, but... I don't know. The right people must have bought it because <laughs> he got the deal for the paperback. And then that one, yeah, like you said, sold uh, over one, one million copies in his first year. That's a lot. Yeah. And then the, the movie um, is pretty well known and famous in, in its own right. It's usually considered one of the better movie versions of his Yes. Of yeah. his stuff. And, and yeah, it was. And he's uh, said as much. In, he likes the movie a lot. Yeah, it uh, came out in 76, uh, directed by Brian De Palma and screenplay written by Lawrence D. Cohen. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a seminal horror flick. There's a couple good, like, origin story articles out there about this book. Like, uh, he, he has an essay about it in his book on writing that um, was in The Guardian about how he read an article in Life magazine about how what we think are poltergeists might just be people with telekinesis and how teenage girls might have the most telekinesis. And at the same time that he read that, he was also working as like a, he'd been working as a janitor in a high school and was cleaning like the girls like gym locker room and saw that all the showers had curtains, which he thought was like weird and not like the like the men's rooms that he had used. And he was like, "Oh, what would happen if all the girls could see each other in these showers and like were mean to each other?" And then he <sighs> conflated that with this telekinesis story, and the book happened. I guess. Sure. <laughs> and he I've got some <laughs> other some different like ahead. this. This one is like vintage Stephen King. Sure. Some woman said, you write all those macho things, but you can't write about women. I said, I'm not scared of women. I could write about them if I wanted to. So I got an idea for a story about this incident in a girl's shower room, and the girl would be telekinetic. The other girls would pelt her with sanitary napkins when she got her period. The period would release the right hormones, and she would rain down destruction on them. I did the shower scene, but I hated it and threw it away. So it started as a something he was writing for a magazine, I think. And yeah, the first draft of it he pitched, but yeah... You yep. you show you show some woman Stephen King, 
Well, stick it to her. It's another story that a friend friend named Flip Thompson bet him ten dollars that he couldn't sure. write a good story about a yeah. woman. Uh, and then the other big part of this like book's legend is that his wife, um, her name. I want to make sure I get it. Um, there's, there's a big story in Mental Floss about this. Uh, his wife Tabby, um, who had like rescued it from the trash can and been like, "Listen, you have a story here, but correct, you don't know how to write women, so I'm gonna help you <laughs> and tell you all about this stuff." I feel so like you can skipped, write a good book. You skipped over a little too quickly. Stephen King's definitely real friend, Flip Thompson. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's definitely not just something he dreamed up or like a ghost told him about mm-hmm. i don't know um but yeah there's a great story on mental floss about his wife kind of saving the book um and what is he talks about um what do you say there is a time in the lives of most writers when they are vulnerable when the vivid dreams and ambitions of childhood seem to pale in the harsh sunlight of what we call the real world in short there's a time when things can go either way if my wife had suggested to me even with love and kindness and gentleness that the time had come to put my dreams away and support my family i would have done that with no complaint uh so he dedicated the book to her uh for basically telling him to not give up and uh-huh. It being his first book, we would not have Stephen King without that happening. So yeah. shout out so to Tabby, it, I suppose. Yeah, thanks, Tabs. Um, what? Anything else on the background of the book you want to talk about, Andrew? Should I don't we... think so. No, like it, it's it's a surprisingly straightforward book, especially for Stephen King. Like I'm used to his stuff being a million miles long and mm-hmm. having. Mm-hmm dozens of subplots and weird moments to unpack but this one's it's pretty it's in in its original edition it was 199 pages i think in the kindle one i read it's a little over 300 but it goes super quick i wonder if that's why it made one of the better stephen king films i think if it's like slimmer and not like a big mind romp Maybe we we could talk a little bit about that after after the break that All we're right, going to well, take right now. Let's whoa! Take a break, break, break time. Craig, I know you've heard of spider webs, but I have. have. Heard, They're gross. Have you heard of the World Wide Web? Not at all. What's that? It's a big collection of computers that can show you pornography whenever you want. <laughs> Are spiders still involved? Uh, they can be, if you want them to be. You can find like spider facts. Well, if you want to weave a website, what you need to do is you need to check out squarespace.com. It's a website that helps you make websites. It's a helpful team of spiders who can weave any kind of site that you want. Um, so Squarespace, here are things you can do with it. You can turn your cool idea into a new website. You can showcase your work. You can blog or publish content, mm. sell products and services of all kinds, promote your physical or online business, announce an upcoming event or special project, and more. Squarespace, the little spideys over there, make it easy to do by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, um, analytics that help you grow in real time, built-in search engine optimization, which is a way that you can we you can learn specific <laughs> bugs into your web. Oh, this is awful. <laughs> I'm so creeped out right by the possibilities. <laughs> um, and the free and secure hosting, you never have to get in any code, you never have to patch or upgrade anything. 
And if you do have questions, you can contact them with their 24-7 award-winning customer support. Uh, so, Craig, if you want to weave yourself a website about spiders or about whatever, you go to squarespace.com overdue for a free trial. And when you are ready to launch, use the offer code overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com overdue. Get spinning. Andrew, there's nothing spookier than learning, am I right? It's scary. It's scary to realize how much I don't know, you know? Yeah, but it's also it's scary like to unknown. It's scary to think about how much stuff you don't know. That's like ju- that's Wait. what I just said just <laughs> right now. I'm right now I'm scared that you are not listening to me, but it well, sounds like you have something to tell me about it's learning. It's because I so. can't stop thinking about the Great Courses Plus, which is our other sponsor this week. I can't listen to a <laughs> okay. thing you're saying because I need to tell you and our listeners that we've been having fun exploring the Great Courses Plus. Uh, it's a great way to discover new interests, pick up new hobbies, um, and learn fascinating stuff from professors and experts with access to thousands of lectures in virtually any category, including literature, history, science, cooking, photography, and much more. And you TV can get VCR repair, probably. You get in there, maybe you find some. I don't know. You watch lectures on your TV, laptop, tablet, or smartphone using the, or you even listen to it as a podcast on the Great Courses Plus app. So this week we are here to recommend the course Life Lessons from the Great Books, where Rufus Fears, Professor Rufus Fears, excuse me, draws you into the world of masterpieces like Macbeth, Brave New World, Odyssey, and more, exploring the wisdom that can be gleaned from each story. So now... Is his name Professor Fears? That's what it says that's right the, here. That's the spookiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> they knew. It's, it's a great spooktober opportunity for you, the listener. Uh, go learn from many of these great lectures. Uh, we've got a limited time offer for them. For you, the listeners, it's a full month of The Great Courses Plus for free. And to get the special offer, you have to go to this URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash overdue. Start your free month today. Sign up at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash overdue. Thegreatcoursesplus.com slash overdue. Y'all are at home. I kind of feel bad about our energy level right now. Craig had a birthday party last night, and it was a lot of fun. But I sort of i i overdrew my account fun wise, and now yeah. I'm in the red. <laughs> fun yeah. in my fun account. And I'm a little there too, so I'm like I'm I'm revving the engine, and, and my, it's making a lot yeah. of noise. And my account does not have overdraft forgiveness, so it's just not going good. Yeah, I'm just revving that. It's not turning over. <laughs> so, uh, just tell me about this book. Why don't you? What is this book? I've never read it. Carrie is a book by the author Stephen King. Oh crap! We're back at the beginning. <laughs> about oh man, we did it bad. Um, so Carrietta White. Have you ever heard Carrietta as the long no. form of Carrie? The only Carries I've ever known have been like, like Carrie has been or, their name yeah. or Carolyn, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Carrie White is a 16-year-old high school student, and as the book opens, she is in. She's she's like showering up after gym class with all of her classmates, and she gets her period for the first time in the shower. Mm. How, Carrie you know, is not how old is she supposed to be? Do you Sixteen. Know? Okay. So it's it's and it's acknowledged in the book that that is pretty late to be getting your first period. Okay. 
Um, you know, and different people's bodies do different things, of course. But like in in the context of the book, everyone else has had theirs for years and years, and and they are all confused about why Carrie is taking this so poorly. Like she is like hunched in the corner of the shower crying because she has all this blood going down her legs and she does not understand what's happened because as it turns out, her extremely fundamentalist Christian mother has just never told her what this is or that it was going to happen. And so good, she, she is responding like I think anyone would to a mysterious flood flow of blood coming yeah. out of something on your yeah. body. Does the book, this might be a bit of a tangent to uh, pretty early on, but does the book acknowledge that sh- her mom is likely never like taken, she taken her to a doctor that just does, has never asked about this sort of stuff. Is she not exposed to doctors at all? Cause of her mom. I mean, that's, it's I that guess strongly it's implied. Much, it's, strongly implied but like anything that has anything to do with sex or sexuality is is bad like okay breasts are called dirty pillows no in this why which (laughs) wait by stephen king or by characters by characters okay (laughs) stephen king is not out here being like and then she 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 pushed up her dirty pillows no it's it's Carrie thinking about dirty pillows because that's what her mom called. Sure, them. okay, that makes sense. Which is like a pretty rad name for breasts, but sure, it has negative connotations in this book. Yeah, it feels like a thing that maybe you could get behind uh-huh. if it didn't come from that woman's mind. <laughs> um, and so all the other girls in Carrie's class because. Teens are the cruelest, spookiest yep. creatures of all. <laughs> Start throwing like tampons and sanitary pads and stuff e. at her because she obviously doesn't know what's going on and she doesn't know like they're. I don't know. It's all it's all very mean spirited. They're not being like, "Hey, here's a tampon." They're just like, "Here's a crying girl yeah. who's in an extreme state so- of distress and." We're all mean girls, so we're going to make fun of you for it. So this communicates really quickly that she is is like a loner, right? Like yes, she doesn't really right. have a lot of friends or anything like that. And you and you pick this up a little bit from Stephen King's description of her because she is overweight and not conventionally attractive. So that's how you know she's an outcast. You know, <sighs> that's how you know that nobody would like her. <sighs> there's also there's a description of the gym teacher. Yeah, I've that, read about this. That like yes. instantly, like they're slim, non-breasted gym teacher. Yeah. Like the first thing that you note about her is that is her weight, and then the second thing is the size of her bust. So, yeah, I heard about cool that. characterization, Stephen King. I heard about that um, in an article on tour where they were talking about how this was an early work of Stephen King's, and even he has referenced that like it's kind of sloppy in some spots, and the author of this article pulled stuff like that as like what are these turns of phrases sir like at one point uh carrie's skirt rips and it does so with quote the sound of a huge wind breakage (laughs) you mean a fart (laughs) (laughs) okay sir (laughs) it sounded like a toot (laughs) he should go back and do an updated version 
So, okay, so I'm sure she does not take this scene well because she doesn't know what's happening to her and people are me- being mean to her about it. Oh, yeah, she, she's not taking it well at all. And, and the gym teacher, uh, Miss Desjardins, I think is how I would pronounce it. Sure. Um, is initially, like, really rough with her because she does not understand why this is a big deal. And then mm. she realizes, oh, oh, she does not know what is going on. She has no idea. Ooh. And she feels bad about it. But the, there's a cool... So there are weird turns of phrase, like okay. the thing about non-breasted, but then there are also some very good turns of phrase, like a first-year teacher, she still believed that she... T- I'm going to do that again. A first-year teacher, she still believed that she thought all children were good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that comes directly from his experience in the classroom, I think. Yeah, you don't have, yeah. you haven't had time to realize that kids are can be little monsters just like <laughs> <Yes>. regular people. <laughs> yeah, this is like... Um, Get up, Miss Desjardins said dispassionately. Get up and tend to yourself. I'm bleeding to death, Carrie screamed, and one blind, searching hand came up and clutched Miss Desjardins' white shorts. It left a bloody handprint. Um, a gym teacher's face contorted into a pucker of disgust, and she suddenly hurled Carrie, stumbling to her feet. Get over there. So she's. it was bad when it was her peers, and now yep. there's also this teacher who doesn't get it, and... Well, and she ends up she ends up realizing that this is Carrie's first period. She has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And she sends her home and then goes to like the principal's office to start talking about punishing all the girls who are involved in making fun of her. Okay. Um so trying to make up for it, but you know, as as happens I think sometimes with children and teenagers like the damage has is been done. done. Yeah, yeah, you can't undo that. There's no more first times that she can live. Um, does she like run to her mom? It doesn't sound like her relationship with her mom is gonna be good. I mean, she she goes home and she is alone because her mo- her mom's you know at work. Okay, and it's it's just her and her mom. Her dad's been dead for a while, I think. Mm. Um, but so so right after this. This uh, moment in gym, I believe we get what is our first of many little passages that are from other books and publications and things that were written about the events that are being depicted in the book Carrie. In the story about Carrie. So you get sure. you get this one, you get this book called The Shadow Exploded. You get this <laughs> memoir from one of the characters, Sue Snell. You get little uh, news clips and interviews with investigators who are trying to figure out what happened. But you find out pretty early. And and going into this book, I, I knew the big stuff yeah. that you just kind of pick up through cultural osmosis, which is there's this girl. She's got, like, mind control powers or, like, some kind of telekinesis. And because she has pig's blood dumped on her at her prom, she goes nuts and kills a bunch of people like that's that Mm -hmm. that was my knowledge of the book and i was surprised how early the book starts to give that stuff away yeah how like how much how specific is it about what the event was in the early parts of the book it is specific enough to call it a holocaust oh gosh um okay and 
and referring to specific characters being in the case of Carrie White, the only witness to any possible prologue to the final climactic events was Margaret White. And she, of course, is dead. That's uh, that's Carrie's mom. OK, so, you know, so, that like people are dead, you know, a lot of people died <laughs> and you know that it had something to do with prom night. And you know that people aren't quite sure what set it off, but it's clearly related to Carrie and it's clearly like supernatural okay. in origin. All right. I dig um, that. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that about this book at all either. And so when that's done well, it does the thing where it like it's it's foreshadowing, but not in a like subtext way. It's like I'm going to talk around the plot so that you get excited about what's happening next. Yeah. So I, I, I was impressed by, so, so as you, as the little snippets and then, you know, you jump back into, you know, what's actually happening in, in real time, like in, yeah. in the story. Um, I was impressed how King's able to like build suspense as the cataclysmic event draws closer Mm, okay and then after it happens you are actually you're you start to get sections of the story as told like after the fact because some of the characters who you're following just like aren't in a position to know exactly what's going on without the benefit of hindsight oh so in the in the beginning you are like the the book takes place in uh 75 or no it takes place in 79 and then a lot of the books and things that are being written about it are happening in the eighties. So it's initially a bit of a time jumpy thing where you're in 79 and then you're jumping forward a few years huh. to books that have been, have been written about this. And then as you get closer to the event, the selections from the books are also like talking about the event. And so yeah. there's less of a time jump thing and it's more of a perspective. That's, jump. That's cool. Um, and then just, you know what's going to happen, but the scale of it and like the detail that King goes into is still surprising. Sure. And still like kind of stunning. Okay. Well, set, set that up but, for um, me. Do you want, you want to let me know what happens to this girl? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll push through the thing. So, so Margaret White is very, like she, she is a kind of, Christian who left the church that she went to because she thought everybody there was like insufficiently faithful and okay. like pious Good. and stuff. Okay. And so her form and, and and this is not to not to say anything about people who like worship in the privacy of their own home, but I think I think you can safely draw the line at abuse like locking yes. Carrie in a closet for yes. hours and hours and hours and making her like a bag to to be let out like and yeah a lot of a lot of physical abuse a lot of mental abuse all in the name of like purity and and, and there's this hypocrisy at the at the root of it which is that Margaret White had Carrie like she had sex with a man and that produced Carrie. Yep. And so her own like her fanaticism about this rings a little bit hollow because like of course I don't know, you're you're as you're as 
unclean and and dirty yeah. as anybody i guess the fanaticism of the convert or or the repentant or something like that where mm-hmm. it's because i am i am broken i must overcorrect and break someone else i suppose yeah so um carrie's being exposed to all this stress at school and at home and she she has had a few incidents in her life, including a major incident when she was around three, when her mom was thinking about killing her. Oh, cool. Um, and she threw all the furniture in the house around and like summoned these gigantic hailstones from the sky that like punched holes in the roof of the house. Like things things that are not ordinary. <laughs> sure. And as she's being like ridiculed by the by the girls at school and by the teacher, she does this thing where she makes like a light bulb pop. Okay, that okay. And it's it's strongly implied that there is a correlation between her awareness of and her increasing control over these powers that she has and the period that she's just gotten like the new phase of, of maturity or, or, or whatever it is that she's yes. moved into. Um, and so she starts to be conscious of the fact that she can do this. And then she starts kind of exercising it, you know, like a muscle, just like lifting stuff up in her room and setting it back down. Yeah. Like early episodes of Alex Mack, basically. Sure. Like early episodes of the secret life of Alex Mack. Yeah. A Nickelodeon television show from like 20 years ago. Yeah. Where a girl, about a where girl, girl has powers. About a girl who got splashed with chemicals from some kind of chemical truck and then had powers instead yeah. and, and not cancer. Yes. True. That, that's the part about that show that never made sense to me. <laughs> um. So, so this is happening with Carrie. You've got this girl, Sue Snell, who had joined in in making fun of Carrie, but feels bad about it and doesn't really quite understand why she joined in in the first place. Mm. Um, there's this popular girl named Christine who has a rich daddy for a lawyer and is always getting into trouble, and then her dad's always springing her out of it. So she's really nasty, and she... Is the ringleader like making fun of Carrie, and then the fact that Sue like pushes back on her makes her even more upset. Okay, and then the final indignity is that the gym teacher um, makes all the girls involved like do detention, and she says, "You know, if you don't show up to your detention, you can't come to prom." Oh no! And Chris, who thinks that her dad is going to get her out of it, does not come to detention. But her dad comes in and has a talk with the principal and the principal basically calls his bluff and is like, listen, do you like if you are going to sue the gym teacher for like abuse of your child, do you want us to counter sue with what your child did to Carrie and all the trouble that she is constantly Good in on you, principal. Time? OK. And so, yeah, he he calls a bluff and, and so he, he backs down. And Chris can't come to prom. And so she's really, really upset about that. And so that's that's the table setting for the final prank. Is um, So Sue has her boyfriend take Carrie to, to prom because she wants, like, she wants to do something nice for Carrie. She wants to make Carrie feel 
socially accepted. She and and she also wants to make herself feel better. Yeah, is it? Ex- this, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Like, has she actually struck up a friendship with Carrie, or is she kind of foisting this on her out of a do-gooder? like impulse not really no not really fostering a, a friendship with carrie at all um it's it's a convoluted sort of <laughs> setup because she she knows that her boyfriend will do anything for her and i don't she she wants to find some way to like cancel out this horrible ostracizing oh thing sure thing that happened that that happened and i guess this is this is a way for her to to do that um so that's happening, and then also Chris and her like no good, abusive greaser boyfriend are gonna set up this prank. So he and some of his friends, like in the dead of night, go to a farm and kill a couple pigs with a sledgehammer and fill two buckets up with pig's blood. And Ew. they're gonna dump their they and they go into the gym where prom's being set up, and they go. It's it's one of those deals where the gym is also like the auditorium yeah gymnatorium a gymnatorium Mm -hmm. did you have that in high school yeah i in high school we might we did not in definitely had one in middle school and in elementary school it was the it was i think we called it the kaffa gymnatorium which doesn't make (laughs) any sense because it's auditorium's already in there did y'all did you guys have like a dedicated theater auditorium space in, in high el- school no in high school we did in elementary school we had one that was all three it was a gym on one like and then it connected seamlessly to the cafeteria because the tables just came out of the wall no. and then there would be an auditor there was like an auditorium stage as the well. only the only stage that any of our school buildings had in them were also a gym and so whenever that you did the like spring musical or anything it was always gym folding chairs like you pull the bleachers out yep. for more seating <laughs> yep did you ever have like a situation where someone is like practicing their their sad monologue and like someone's shooting hoops uh, like squeaky shoes no not no not usually like most of the rehearsal happened after school was oh, over oh sure sure and then you also had, you know, like the music room or whatever that you could like run lines and, and do tryouts and stuff in. Okay. Um, what were we talking about? We're talking about the gym that this happens in. So, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a the dance like with a stage area. Right. Yeah. And and so he's he's gone up above the stage and set up these buckets of pig's blood with twine. And so they can yank the yank the twine tip the buckets and get out okay okay this is this is they acknowledge that this is moved beyond prank this is like (laughs) an actual crime that they're gonna do and chris is not there right or is is she like she is she is there like outside gonna pull the rope and she does that okay okay um yeah this is a crime (laughs) yeah this is actually a crime so carrie is is kind of scaring her mother a little bit because she is willing to use her strengthening powers to get her way and so she says mom i'm going to the prom and you can't stop me and her mom is like rending her garments and like scratching her face and you know taking it pretty well i would say (laughs) oh gosh um so so she goes she goes to the prom and 
partly because Chris has been like whipping votes in, you know, in an effort to get her up there so that she can embarrass her. Mm. Chris has been telling people, oh, hey, you should vote for Carrie for and and this guy who's all the boys names are like Teddy, (laughs) Robbie, Richard, Teddy. I don't like. Hi, my name's Richard Teddy. Would you like to go to prom with me? My name's Richard Bobby Teddy. I'm an all-American white high school student. Just named at least two Kennedys, and I don't know if there's a Richard Kennedy as well. (laughs) That's the all-American boys. That's who it is. Yeah, the all-American boys. Yeah. Uh, So she's rigging this. She's rigging this like prom queen vote or something. Yeah, and and so. Carrie and another couple like they tie and then they do a runoff vote and she has this like building sense of dread inside her neat and she's telling the guy please don't please don't write us in please don't please don't (laughs) and then they win by one vote and so they go up and the school song starts playing and that's the cue to yank the buckets and dump the pig's blood ew and so they get drenched is it like super? Is it described all super gross? Like, is oh yeah, it, it's pretty gross. <laughs> is and it? then from and then from there, you are updated pretty regularly on the state of the like bloody clothes Ew. and yeah, cool. You said you had blood facts. I I've have been some talking blood a lot, facts. So tell me yeah, about your blood, blood facts. facts. Um, so the some of these facts, <laughs> some come from a science kids corner on a New Zealand educational website. Um, <laughs> blood is 7% of your body weight. Red blood cells make up 44% of your blood. The ABO blood system came from a 1901 discovery by Carl Landsteiner. Andrew, did you know that dogs have more than a dozen blood types? Whoa, what are the different? Read me the dog blood types. Oh, I didn't look. I didn't fact check that. Dog blood types he that's, put into Google. That's strange that you would read that dogs have 12 blood types and you wouldn't go. I don't know if it's just like dog defined. blood one and dog blood two or something like I don't know that they just use 12 letters. Over 13 canine blood groups have been described. What a weird way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just they it is it's just numerical. It's. DEA one through eight, whatever. Eight types are recognized as international standards. <laughs> oh man, no! Are you trying to put metric dog blood in my imperial dog? We only use biblical measurement for my dog blood. Cubits. Um. So then I also looked up. Uh, I found a Cosmo article uh, that was twenty-two facts about periods because I figure. One thing that I was in reading about this book, like all of the blood imagery and the fact that it opens with her like deal, grappling with getting her period for the first time, there's like it is one of the few taboos we still have and still like it's still poorly talked about in our culture. Um, what do you mean? Just like periods in general? Yeah. Like I feel like there there was there's more to be done by just kind of people having a better understanding of what certainly yeah i mean i I think it is it is better now than it was in like the 70s yeah yeah there is there is always more we can be doing so i have some facts to share um from this article 
The average woman has 400 periods in her lifetime. Uh, the average woman loses about two ounces of blood each period. That's like the whole time. Um, periods can also negatively impact asthma system uh, symptoms um, due to increased sensitivity to allergens. Andrew, did you know that the first patent for a tampon was filed in 1931 by a dude? Of nice. course, Earl Haas. We got thank we got to get ours, you know. <laughs> and there's a thing. Um, this was one of the first facts in this article. There is a rare condition called vicarious menstruation that can cause bleeding in other parts of your body, such as your eyes. No, no, that's not right. It's actually a manifestation of a more common thing that a lot of people deal with called endometriosis, um, which has to do with the tissue showing up in spots where it shouldn't. But that's nuts. No, I this you're 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 not right about this. This um, isn't a thing. Okay, I'm just gonna, well not, maybe maybe Stephen King invented it. Eh, you're not right about this. I'm well, I'm almost sure. <laughs> Do you want to fact check me right now? No, I'm just comfortable saying that you're wrong about it. Okay, definitely, totally, you're wrong about it though. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely not a thing that you would ever hear about. So, how does this book? deal with blood not maybe not just the pig blood thing but like is that you all the no but does it like track through like are there is there any blood between the shower scene and the blood getting like dropped on her i mean there's the blood that people bleed sometimes (laughs) um (laughs) okay like i think either carrie or sue like cuts herself just like incidentally just like like not meaning to her mom like i mentioned before like injures herself like the yeah. blood shows up in a few other places but okay um, but it's building to this dump of it it's building to this blood dump yes and so the blood get dumped and then carrie like everybody this is Carrie does a few classic Stephen King things. So like it's his first published book. Like he doesn't have established like tropes as a writer just yet. Sure. But tell me if this sounds like every Stephen King book you've ever read or heard of. Okay. (laughs) It takes place in a sleepy Maine town that is a rent apart by a horror that is simultaneously a little mundane, but also beyond comprehension. That sound Uh, sound about right. Sure. Um, People are sometimes driven to monstrousness that seems a little bit weird and like they don't even totally understand why yeah. they're reacting the way yes. that they're reacting. It's like an unknowable emotion that causes them to do evil things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. So yeah, that that's like Stephen King. So it happens when all the girls are taunting carry a little bit it happens as chris and her greaser boyfriend are constructing this awful prank which is also something that like gets both of them super horny for each other (laughs) oh no (laughs) um and he's like he's nasty and 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 like hits her and all kinds of fun stuff also Ugh. so that's that's great okay um, that also has cropped up in more than one Stephen King book that that's I've true that yeah. I've had experience with um and so what happens after Carrie gets all this blood dumped on her is that people start laughing because they aren't really sure how to respond 
And even though Carrie actually has had kind of a nice night up to this point where she like has had some nice conversations with people about the dress that she made. Oh, neat. And people are like, oh, you made that dress. That's super cool. Like, tell me more about it. Like, they're actually having conversations about about stuff, and it seems like it might be going okay. Um, but it's, it's it's not going okay. Well, well, that would make it worse, too, right? Don't if, like, tell you're, Yeah. If your first time, like, connecting with people is going pretty well, and then you get buckets of pig blood dropped on you as a reward and a reminder of where you, like, where those people think you belong, like... That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt bad. When Frida grinned, she felt something very old and rusty loosen inside her. A warmth came with it. Relief, ease. Mm. So it's like, I've I've had this horrible, oppressive life, and no one one has ever liked me, and my mom is horrible to me Mm. in ways that I can't even always comprehend because it's like she's the only mom that I have and know so like I'm not even sure for what the context for a good relationship with your mom is um and I'm having an okay time and now this yeah and so she storms out and she decides you know what I'm going to get them all back because I have psychic powers and <laughs> Does she make the the conscious decision to get them back right yes. then? Like, she's thinking through it. Okay. So, things spiral in a way that I'm not 100% sure she means them to. It's always just like, here's the next thing, here's the next thing, here's the next thing. So, the first thing she does is shuts the doors and traps everybody inside. Okay. Um, and, and you're getting, like, the the way that her control of her mind is described here you start to run into other people who can like sense things from her and like she can sense like individual people who are like pushing against the door right at the moment. Like it's this extreme situation has kind of expanded what is, what is possible, I guess. Hmm. Um, So she shuts the doors. She sees the sprinkler system. She turns the sprinkler system on. Then she sees somebody who's standing, like they had a band there and they were playing on their equipment. She sees somebody who's standing next to that equipment, like getting electrocuted. And she's like, well, dang, what if I like pulled all the wiring apart? And a lot of people got like electrocuted. And then that starts a fire and everybody's burning up inside the gym. Oh, gosh. And then she starts to leave. And she like passes a gas station and she takes all she she passes fire hydrants, which she like breaks and unhooks so that people can't get water out of them. She goes to a gas station. She pulls all the pumps, like all the all the nozzles off the pumps and sets them all going. (sighs) They explode. She imagines like the the gas pipes like the gas main like running underneath the town Uh, and breaks that and like that explodes so fully like half this town is on fire and people are like power lines are getting pulled down they're very vivid descriptions of people like stepping on a live wire and getting like turned into a puddle of person (laughs) oh god um so this is yeah this this is kind of what i was talking about is i 
I guess my knowledge of this book began and ended with the prom scene. Yes, correct. But I was not prepared for all the stuff that was going to happen after where Carrie creates this swath of destruction going all the way home. She, her mom has been sharpening a knife, like getting ready to kill her when she comes back because she's disobeyed her for the last time, apparently. And she should have killed this like devil baby. She should have killed it in the first place because she shouldn't have had it because it's just a sin. Yeah, it was a sin to have sex in the first place. place. Uh She should have killed it when she came into the nursery and she saw like a bottle spinning in the air. She should have killed her when she was three years old and she made this thing with the hailstones happen. And so now it's finally time to make it make it happen. And Carrie comes home and they have this confrontation and like the fire is spreading and getting nearer to their house. And Carrie like imagines her mom's heart and then she gradually slows her mom's heart down until she dies. She magneto killed her? Like she, she didn't magneto- even like yeah. What? And then but this is after her mom like buries this knife in her shoulder up to the hilt of it. Ugh. Um and then yeah, and then Carrie goes and she finds Chris and her greaser boyfriend who have had sex after this prank that they pulled and then fell asleep and they are trying so- to get they're trying to get out of town and Carrie like sends their car crashing through the front of a bar. Okay. And the bar gets set on fire and they're both dead. And then she's and then she's like laying and dying in the street and Sue comes and finds her. And they have this last moment where Carrie like goes through Sue's mind and sees like some some bad stuff that Sue thought about Carrie, but like no no specific intent to embarrass her at this prom. Like like her motives were not like a hundred percent pure, but they were not like she she did not intend for it to go down. Like yeah, this. sure. <clears throat> and so Sue is spared. Okay, She's one of the few people who who makes it out of prom night alive to, oh, to tell the story to anybody else after, and they are kind of speaking telepathically, and Sue like experiences somebody else's mind like dying. Ugh. Yeah, that's um, that Stephen King nonsense. That's that Stephen King magic where, like, I guess if you can move a chair, you can stop someone's heart and go in someone's brain. And then the light was gone, and the last conscious thought had been, Mama, I'm sorry, where? And it broke up, and Sue was tuned in only on the blank idiot frequency of the physical nerve endings that would take hours to die. Um, and that's something interesting King does with inner monologues here is it is prose broken up by little weird parentheticals yeah i remember where your mind just like goes on a little bit of a a jaunt for a second and then comes back yeah Um, he does uh, that to me is like a it's a it's akin to what you said earlier where like everybody who ever does bad stuff in his books they're always like tapping into some like bottomless well of evil humanity yeah pretty much (laughs) like it's just like a little bubble coming up from that pool just in parentheses just to say hey bad people who do bad stuff in stephen king books have zero redeeming qualities yeah Um, well does well okay so then is carrie like 
We're does getting the, close to the time. Yeah. So does I, the does yeah. the book treat her as like a monster that needed to be defeated? Like, how does it no, close she's, the book on she her? Is, she is sympathetic okay. and misunderstood, I think, to the last. And of course, this, this final thing that she has done is horrific, but like, it's not like anybody tried to do anything else yeah. and so that's that's the note that the book kind of ends on is there is like this blue ribbon commission created by the governor to investigate this thing that has happened and they end up not quite sweeping it under the rug but after a bunch of interviews and stuff they they decide oh okay this is like a one-off thing and we don't have to worry about it even though they they one of the other books like the the more conspiracy minded books i guess is talking about Oh, this is a this is a gene that people can carry, and it's ridiculous to assume that this won't happen again. And then the book ends with this letter from somebody to somebody else that describes like this three year old girl who's like moving marbles around or something without without touching them. And that's not to say that people who have like telekinesis are always inherently evil or have horrible childhoods or something, but just yeah. that this thing that we don't understand is going to keep happening. And we have seen how it can go when it goes as bad as it can possibly go. But yes, sure. Know, we, we, we should be, we should be more aware of this and we should be preparing for, for it to happen again. Ooh. So yeah, that's the book. That's Carrie. Okay. I had a good time reading it. It's like, we and we've talked about this a little bit before, but when you sometimes when you read early works in a genre or early works from an author, like there's a it, it there's still a fresh feeling that comes with it, like maybe because the person who's writing it has not had time to fully figure everything out yet, and so there's still like an an, an unsettledness and an and a, a willingness to experiment. Yeah, kind of a rowdiness. Yeah, yeah. Like Stephen, like by the time Stephen King gets a bag of bones, he feels free to write like four hundred pages about a guy who is Stephen King, who's going about his Stephen King life, and then oh, maybe by the end I'll get to the story that I want to. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to the part where there's a ghost that matters. And also, mostly... I'm gonna have like a, I'm gonna have a hundred little quirks and and flourishes and neuroses that every single one of my books has because I'm Stephen King and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> well, and it, it's before he has any sort of like running series that interact with one another. He's not like building his, he hasn't like built out his little main universe yet. Yeah. Um, right. There's, there's not like some reference to calling in fire trucks from dairy or something. Yes, where Like yes. all of his later books have those little winking references to things. Um, um Cool. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a good. I wanted to read this for Spooktober for a couple of years now, and I'm glad that we finally did it because it's. Yeah, like even if you, even if you heard this episode and you haven't read it, like you, you're still gonna be sucked into it when stuff starts going down, and it yeah. is. It's just, it's kind of rough to read in spots, mm. and it captures both the like the everyday mundanity of teens being terrible to each other. And this also this like heightened destruction, Michael Bay horror stuff <laughs> that's happening at the end. Cool. Well, Spooktober continues. Welcome back. 
We made it here. Thanks for kicking it off, Andrew. Keep on spooking. Um, if you, the listener, have read Carrie or watched the film and want to tell us about your favorite part, shoot us an email at overduepod at gmail.com or, or hit us up on social media at twitter.com slash overduepod and facebook.com slash overduepod. A lot of folks uh, responding to our recent Twilight episode, uh, Twilight New Moon, as well as our new Stop Homer Time episode that dropped over the weekend. Go listen to that. Um, thanks to Christina, Annie, uh, Marnie, Jeff, Amber, Lucas, Emily, Bree, Casey, Cheyenne, Gloria, Rachel, Heather, Matt, Tom, and many more for letting us know what you think about the show throughout the week. It helps a lot, and it helps people find the show, too. Andrew, yeah. if folks want to know more, where should they go? They should go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our internet website. Up there, we have links to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and our RSS feed. You can use those to subscribe to the show and get new episodes when they come out. Usually, that's Mondays, but every month, usually, we have some kind of bonus something that goes up. You know, whenever we feel like it. So, yep. <laughs> never be surprised by a bonus episode. <laughs> subscribe to the show. If you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. It makes us feel better, and it helps people find the show because it helps us rise in them iTunes rankings. Fight the algorithm, everybody. Uh, what else? Um, Patreon.com slash overdue pod. You can go there. You give us a little bit of money and you can get some stuff in return, including early access to bonus episodes and notes that Craig takes like as mm-hmm. he's researching for shows and, and some other stuff too. Um, so yeah, like you said, next, next week, Spooktober continues. Craig, do you I have the, the list? You just I got the go full down the schedule. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have it last week. So we started, uh, Spooktober first is, uh, Carrie by Stephen King. Um, and then next week we are hitting The Master and Margarita by Mikhail Bulgakov. And then after that, we're talking about Say Cheese and Die by Jovial Bob Stein. <laughs> uh, following that, we will, yeah, we will be talking about a book called Hex by Thomas Uld Huvelt with our friends uh, Christina and Camille, the Unfriendly Black Hotties. And we're closing out the month with Hell House by Richard Matheson. And somewhere along the way, we're going to be doing a choose-your-own-adventure of Terror on the Titanic by Jim Wallace. Buckle up. Which feels like, I think a, a choose-your-own-adventure story about the Titanic is the most 90s thing I think I can imagine. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We got a good month planned, and I hope you're ready to get spooked. Until we talk to you next time, let's try to be happy. That was a headgum podcast. Honestly, geese are the spookiest animals of all. You know, we talk about spiders and pumpkins and ghosts. Andrew, what? I would give you money if you just decorated your house with geese. <laughs> with geese. <laughs> and all the geese say happy Halloween. I think, it, like, if you painted a, a, like a jack-o'-lantern face on a goose... I want like I want a haunted house that's very specific to like strange fears that I like like it's all about like geese and what if the bridge collapsed while you're driving over it like it's all it's
throw away the the fears of childhood and introduce the fears of adulthood. You know, what if it's a bunch of phones to loved ones and no one ever picks up when you call them? Ooh, ooh, because the the geese got them. <laughs> it's just a geese on the other end that honks or hisses at you. Mm-hmm. All right, you want to talk about a book? Oh, are we? Yeah, let's let's do that. <laughs> 